Welcome to the Board Game Workshop. I'm your host, Chris Anderson. We are back with Dustin and both halves of Dr. Wix. We've got Austin and Aaron. Everyone, Hello. welcome back to the show, which Hello. we just recorded one a minute ago. <laughs> so, we have a bit of a focus topic today, and I will warn people. I have this side job outside of board gaming. I'm, I'm an economics professor at Bethany College in West Virginia, and... I really want to emphasize today and push us in our discussion to talk about how board games are a tool of learning. And when I talk about it, there's sort of two main schools of thoughts that come to mind for myself when I think about it. One idea is that I have board games and I am replicating experiences in board games so students can learn those things. So there's a game based on history or a mechanic based on economics. That's one way you can learn. But the other way you can learn through board games is, is by learning the process of board game design itself. You're learning the, the art, and I think of it as an art, of taking all your skills or working with other people and bringing their skills together to combine to make a larger thing. That's going to include mathematics. That's going to include fears of human behavior. That's going to include writing skills, communication skills. And so this idea that, that board game design itself is a tool to learn skills that generalize beyond board gaming. And that you know, the purpose of teaching board game design isn't just to, hey, cool, I can design board games, look at me. I mean, it's nice to say that. But that by learning design board games, you're learning to be able to tackle other projects. You're learning how to take the initiative to complete bigger things beyond just board gaming, whether it's within a nonprofit, within a business, within your own personal life, within your particular disciplines, they all are going to utilize a similar skill set that build on being a good board game designer. Yeah, it's one of the things I really enjoy about board game design, which is similar. Uh, before I got into board game design, I was very much into like film production movies. That's what I went to school for. And now I work in TV. And that's similar in that it's a creative field, but you bring in so many other disciplines to it. Like you need to know math, you need to know engineering, you need to know literature and writing. And all of this comes together in different ways, depending on what kind of job you get in that industry. But it, it really is the kind of industry where you could gravitate to any different direction and everything you learn is useful in another location. Right. So, Aaron, a question that I had is, uh, how do you get your uh, administration on board? How did you get your administration on board to just uh, go along with you starting to teach a board game design class? So, Bethany is a liberal arts college, and it's really important from a liberal arts perspective that we are learning about a variety of fields, because if you just learn about one field you're missing important insights from others that can strengthen what you're doing. A great example of that is I had a student who was into biology and mathematics. And she was interested in the concept called random walk, which is the idea that if you had someone who's been drinking for a really, really long time, no longer can walk straight, where are they most likely to be an hour from where they're now? And the answer is, where they started because as long as they stop walking straight it 
prevents them from getting further away from their starting point if they backtrack at all. It brings them back to their starting point. And so she envisioned, well, this is how biological organizations behave. And so she built a board game based on mathematical random walk where you're these biological organisms trying to eat each other for, for lunch. And it inspired her to then look at and say, well, wait a second, mathematics is not the only thing that thinks very carefully about random walk. And so she reached out to, to me initially because of the board game and stuff, but then she, it comes clear, well, this is economic theory. This is a common problem in economics because when you have random walk in statistical data, it can destroy your ability to identify causation. In biology, that's what she told me. She says, well, people don't worry about that very much. They don't think they have a random walk problem. And she did all these mathematical simulations that look like mathematical functions that aren't random walk, but she made them from random walk. In economics, random walk is a very known problem, especially in financial economics. And financial economists learned about the random walk problem early on because financial economists believe that they found ways to make money and when they don't make money they lose money and they want to know why so she collaborates by talking to me by doing her random walk stuff to to create a larger senior project where look here's here's random walk you don't think you have random walk but since you do have random walk we can't trust our statistical results however there's all these tests that already exist in the economic literature on when you can likely identify random walk in your data so you know whether or not you are more likely or less likely to trust your results. And, and she was able to use that to uh, land herself um, one of the finalists for a job for a group that, that uh, models spreads of, of pandemics for the U.S. government solely based on her, her senior project paper where she brought those ideas together. Because, you know, if you're just sticking to, to math or you're just sticking to biology, there's these insights that you don't have from other fields that could really advance your field. And so the liberal arts is based on that. And when I pitched this game, not this game, when I pitched this class, my point was here's an opportunity where we're taking all these skill sets together in the action of making a board game. You can't not make a truly good board game if you don't have some expertise in multiple fields. If you can't write a rule book that's very commutative, or people understand what's going on, doesn't matter how good your mathematical modeling is to set up your game, no one's going to be able to play it. And in today's market, you need art. Well, we have visual arts as programs. We, we have art people. It's a great opportunity to introduce them to, to our other people. You need theories of human behavior, where you use psychology or economics. You need to be able to look at the mathematics, make sure the game isn't straight up broken, apply game theory. So what the administration well, specifically what the faculty like, because this is voted on by faculty, is the idea that this is a course that pulls in all the disciplines and makes something that's stronger because of that. We're, we're emphasizing our liberal arts tradition, and that's the biggest reason. And it fits well in our, our larger curriculum because we have a freshman seminar that all students are required to take, a first-year seminar course, and uh, that's where they allowed me to to break this out was to use this as an introduction to our first year students to why liberal arts. Let's build a board game and we're going to see very quietly because we're bringing these parts together that by bringing these different skill sets together from your liberal arts education you're able to create something greater than just specializing in one thing. So how's the structure of that work with like you're saying it can bring in so many other disciplines is it just the students in the class are maybe focusing in those disciplines so they already have that or do you bring in the other faculty as well even if it's just temporary to go over different aspects we do both we definitely take advantage of students with different backgrounds you know there's a visual arts student in the class so 
we've made a point to even talk about, you, you know there's a whole bunch of art done in this, this field that people pay for, which is important for an artist. But we also have uh, things where we bring in different faculty across campus, uh, whether it's communication, when we're going to be talking about how to make a pitch video for a publisher, the mathematics program, we start talking about the mathematics and, and board game design itself. We're going to have someone from the, the writing center come in and talk about how do you write technical writing. And not just technical writing in our case, but technical writing in a board game isn't just here's how everything works. It has to be done in a way where people don't want to shut the book and not buy the game. And so, yeah, we're, we're going to be doing both. We are taking advantage of the different students' backgrounds, and we're taking advantage of the wonderful people we have across faculty that, who are very happy to come in and help us and help the students take their skills and apply it to this this greater project. And if more board game designers could write like that in a way that didn't make me want to shut the book, I, I think board games as a whole would be much better. Absolutely. Though I'm, I'm not affecting perfection. This, as we all know, for all these students, this is likely their, their first game design. And we all know how our first game designs go. But you have to start somewhere. And we have a great board game community on campus, particularly out of the Math Pure Science Club, which runs a weekly board game night, has a, a lovely board game library of their own, where that can keep growing even beyond this course where they can really develop that. So you're saying a lot of the students, this is their first experience with modern board games, at least they probably have some experience as children. Um, so how do you deal with that? Do you have a part where you're going over like board game literacy, playing more of the modern games, and how do you how do you structure that part of the class if you do it? I mean, it's it's as straightforward as it sounds. We we play board games, and uh, you know, it's instead of a, a reading list for a class, we have a board game list. It, it's a the class is long enough. It's two hours when we meet, where we can set aside some early time in the semester to explicitly play board games, write about them, talk about them, talk about them, not just in terms of their experience as a player, which is important from the note, but how does this change the way you, you view a board game and the way it works? One of the games we play was uh, Turbo Drift by uh, Rob Kramer, and you know, the great thing about Turbo Drift is that if you're used to playing a lot of traditional board games, you know, traditional mass market games, you are not used to the idea that the whole area can be your playing field, that, that even though it's a set of cards, the cards are interacting with your entire environment. So they're starting to see these concepts that playing space can be larger than what they've envisioned before. What we're talking about, about the idea that playing is, is negotiations, is a larger dimensional space, or the idea that the act of building your hand and say a deck builder can be a game. So, so you know, I spend a lot of time playing games and just seeing what other possibilities exist that they may have not realized was there before. And you can't cover everything. There's not enough time supposed to cover everything, but, but you can cover enough where you are giving them a very different perspective and then start moving on from there. Well, that's definitely a big benefit of college courses. Cause I, I listen to Kathleen Mercury on her podcast, and she teaches game design to high schoolers, and they're, they're very restricted on time. So any, any sort of games they're playing are usually during the day because they can't really expect them to do so much after school or at home and they're limited to much shorter periods so you really pushed into doing only shorter games that you can get through in the class including like teaching and setup and cleanup so having having a two-hour class makes that a lot easier and then i assume you can also have them do stuff afterwards because they're 
they're at the school and have access to the library, right? Absolutely, and you can require additional things outside of class as well, as long as you, you give them enough advance notice. So, for example, we have a board game career seminar, which we host whether the class is going on or not, where we bring in one or two people every year. So this year we'll have Charlie Hoops on October 29th talking about um, same game, different theme, the challenge of re-theming the game when a publisher asks you to change the theme of a pre-made game. So you know that, that provides an opportunity to get exposure. And we have an on-campus playtesting event, which is required as part of their course because that's since they're making a game, they need to playtest it. And so that creates additional opportunities to, to really help them grow in their exposure to, to modern board game thinking, but also the process of what it takes to get a game from idea to actual working. I mean, or no, at least get to the point where you go and say, that's not working. What do I do next? So absolutely, I mean, that, that, that ability to focus in and take advantage of both their class time, but their out of class time is a great asset for doing this sort of course at the collegiate level. And because these are the first year students taking a taking this class, are they do you find that they're signing up being like, oh, I'm just going to play some board games. I'm, you know, not expecting there to be homework or anything like that. Or do you assign homework? And what does that look like? I'll be honest. Students learn very quickly when they have a class with me that I have expectations, and they're going to meet them. The uh, no, no, they're college students. They they know there's going to be work and. Like any teacher, and that's just true both the high school and on the college level, as, as long as you set clear expectations and you hold them to it, they'll, they'll meet it. That's, that's, that's been true in any course I've taught. It's, as long as I'm clear about what I want from them and I'm sincere when I say they're going to do it, they'll do it. Now, their expectation of what they're getting into, I, I can't really speak well to that. I, I would have to ask them, I suspect that uh, they really don't know what they're getting into. And that's just because for them it's, it's a, a lot to take in because there isn't a lot of experience beyond the mass market games. And even then, they only have played so many. So you know, the other day I think I asked people if they ever played Risk before and I only had a few hands go up in the class. So even things that we might think of as being standard mass market doesn't even mean it, it has been played a lot by by people coming into the class. So I'm curious about the the end result when when you've got a student who's gone through the whole class. Are there many that I, I would guess you certainly would have more game players coming out of that. I wonder about game designers and and if that's something that any of them really hold on to and run with. Uh, my mind goes back to I think it was Bradley College uh, about two years ago, something like that. Three students came up with a game called Dark as the Night. I've got it on my shelf now. I think it's a really great just small game. Uh, and that was from some students who took a, a game class. So I'm curious about that from your course. So am I. This is the first semester where, where we've been able to offer this course. So what will come out of it is a great thing for us to see how that develops. I mean, I can tell you one of the great things that I, I've always gotten out of is that it's a it's a much more diverse group of people than, than at most uh board gaming events, and that's just because the, the nature of the student body is just random, the random distribution of students who are at the college, which is different than the distribution of people you see at typical events. So I, I'm very excited to see if that plays a role in what people come up with. I'm excited to see what they come out with and where to develop it. But at the moment, I don't know how far they're going to take it. That's, 
that's still an experiment for myself as well. That's very cool. Yeah, I'm excited to hear how that turns out as well. So plans going forward with this class, is it is it contingent on how well it does this year if you get to continue or are you continuing regardless or is it not decided yet to just play it by ear? Well, I mean, I'll be watching a number of learning outcomes. So we've mentioned this idea that this course isn't necessarily about board games themselves. If my students don't design an, another board game after this class, but they're using their skills now to make interdisciplinary projects and the class is a success. If it makes the board games that are really fun or even are okay, which we all have done, that'd be great. But, but in the end, this class exists to help them better integrate their liberal arts skills. The board game stuff, you know, it's a nice side externality, nice side positive. But the key thing that we want them to take away from this course is they have the ability to use their skills from their liberal education to create greater things, to create things that have use, things that are effective, that just wouldn't be there if they were just relying on one skill itself. So you know, that, that makes it a little bit different of a beast when you think of judging it. So it's, it's not just, do I make a board game? It's, do I make a board game and learn to make other things, including board games, from this process? Yeah, I mean, you can really learn so many things, the product development sociology psychology so how with the class how far do they bring the game designs is it just like early prototype stages or are they pushing towards more of a complete you know air quotes complete game where they would maybe look to pitch it to a publisher if they want to go that route or is it just kind of early stages getting the concepts down and like you said just using that to learn different disciplines well that's that's the question we're starting to find out now uh, prototypes are, are right now in their early stages. Some of them are really in their early brainstorming stages, and by the end of this semester, we're going to find out how far they can get. But that's that's exactly what we're learning right now in the course: is what is their their potential and, and how far they can take it. I, I can tell you right now, you know, there's there's some neat prototypes out there that I'm looking forward to uh, seeing other people's feedback on them beyond my own. So again, lovely, lovely unpub mini, come play test Bethany College students' prototypes in Bethany, West Virginia, near Pittsburgh, wheeling not that far from Cleveland, Columbus on uh, November 9th. And you, you can see them for yourselves. I mean, one of the things I'm definitely seeing is that um, you know, background matters. So I've, I've seen some very creative ideas in games, which in the regular design community, I might not see people pursue right now, just because they're, they're based on their own personal interests. You know, the amount of sports games I'm seeing are disproportionately large than what I would see anywhere else, and that's because a lot of them are, are involved in athletics. And uh, there's been wonderful discussion on games in football, in distance running, in, in short running, in track and field, in ways where, you know, I hadn't thought about, well, yeah, no, that, that actually is a interesting challenge and concept, and I'm excited to see where they take it. That's interesting, because I know there's been... There's not that many sports-based board games that have worked very well. And I know a lot of people have been trying to work on various different ones, and it's, it's a very difficult design challenge just translating like a lot of time-based physical mechanisms into a board game structure and keeping that flow. So it'd be really interesting to see what people that, don't, that aren't burdened by all this history of game design, like we are... Com- 
from being game designers and studying this for years and just coming in fresh and not not having these preconceived notions and seeing if they could come at it from a very different perspective. I mean, they are burdened by by my go of making sure I'm developing as, as a good interdisciplinary person, which means I spend a lot of time saying, you know, in writing, less is more. You you only have so much time and space. You you probably want to narrow your focus down. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if, if you saw that sort of influence in how they design games. I, I'm not expecting, I could be wrong, but I'm not expecting a lot of, um, well, if I add dice rows and card draws and chip draws and build this really large board and I'm not expecting to see games that go in that direction but that's in part because they're being pushed to think about narrow topics because I'm also anticipating developing their writing skills so that they can make their point in the the space they have but that's that's me being influenced by learning outcome goes really to beyond just board gamings and, and how to present ideas and how to put things together. You know, I, I think about in my art classes when I was in school, uh, I, I received instruction in, in how to do it. But even more importantly, I mean, there there was feedback on what I was doing. And there was kind of some, some structure, some limitations around the things that we were supposed to do. The either the, the mediums that we were using or whatever it might be. And so I think about education really having this wonderful growing opportunity because of those things in, in the instruction, in the feedback, and in the, the limitations or restrictions that, that might be there. And and what a, what a great opportunity for board game development just in that space with those elements. Well, and, and the importance of, of those are critical. I mean, you mentioned it's important in art, it's important for engineering. You know, the, the idea that you come up with an idea, you prototype it, you do iterative design to figure out what works and what doesn't, and you use that feedback to inform yourself. I mean, that's, you can argue that's the scientific method. That's the way you're supposed to proofread and write papers. That's the way you're supposed to approach things in media if you're going to journalism or communication. So that's a skill set that transverses across disciplines and you just need a medium to, to first really get that down. And, and in this case, that medium is the iterative process of board game design. But that process is the process of development of almost any idea or product or writing or art in existence. So since this is the first year running this class, do you have, do you have a very structured plan of how it will go? Or are you kind of building the class as it goes to see where they are or do you do you have like concrete expectations of where where they'll get by the end i do have a detailed plan but i also know just like a board game design anytime it's the first time you teach a college course you're going to find out some of your what you anticipate is going to happen isn't what happens so you know i expect there to be a lot of revisions for the second time this course is taught but i do start off with a pretty detailed idea, which is not surprising because if you think about how Austin and I design board games, that's, that's the same way we design board games too. So it's pretty typical for us to come up with a detailed idea where we flush out a lot of big pictures and little details first before we go to the playtesting stage. But whether you, you do that or, or you like to get something as fast as you can on the table, no matter who you are after that first play test, you, you get a lot of feedback and you make adjustments and improvements 
based on what you learn. I'm curious if you've used any of Kathleen Mercury's uh, resources that she's made available or Dr. Gordon Hamilton's stuff from Math Pickle, any, anything like that from other designers in the community, or, or are you just kind of starting this um, from from your own thoughts and organizing it from there? First, I've been able to, to take advantage of uh, all the writing Austin and I have done as Dr. Witts, where we've we've done a lot of stuff on, on the board game design process, and that, that has served as the main base as the curriculum in terms of readings. But then we've also taken advantage of the work done by people like uh, like Nothing Sacred Games and Kevin Nunn. I mean, the great thing about the board game design community is, is how much we have done to, to write useful guides on how to be a better board game designer, whether we're touching on issues of uh, playtesting or particular mechanics or how to approach it. Even when I'm referencing stuff that Dr. Witch has written, you know, Dr. Witch is informed by stuff they've read by other people, so, so you do see reflection of, of earlier thoughts and debates, even though they may not be directly cited. That's also part of the, the lessons of the course, is that you, you want to know the space you're working in and take advantage of the knowledge that people are willing to share. And in a number of fields, and you can get wonderful resources online. You know, if you want to learn SQL, there's plenty of resources I'll teach you online. If you want to become a better journalist, there's plenty of resources online to do as well, and in particular subfields. Say you want to do sports analytics for baseball. Well, Study Hall is a great resource for that, and that's, that's all online. So another part of that process is showing how people can find that sort of community and take advantage. And we've definitely highlighted things like Cardboard Edison, Board Game Design Lab, Board Game Geek, the idea that, that on Twitter, Facebook, but Twitter in particular is a very lively place of board game discussion amongst designers and amongst fans, and to start developing our, our ability to find those communities and interact with them. So what's your hope for this going forward? Is it just to continually have a first-year seminar that offers this as a way to mix interdisciplinary things, or would you hope to expand it into its own program? I don't know if you have video game design at your college, but I know a lot of places will have a board game design class tied into that program as just an early step to get in like fundamentals of game design before bogging it down with programming and stuff. Do you have anything like that? So the goal of the course is really to help the pre-existing opportunities on campus. So really what I'm looking to see is how people are able to apply the lessons in this course to the particular major they, they pick. So, you know, I want to start noticing my computer science majors to start relating GUIs and board games, which is uh, graphical interfaces, to GUIs with um, computer science and how those problems are very similar and how they can use them. I want my, my communication majors to start connecting how board game media is similar to any media you're trying to break into. And I want my... Uh, my mathematical major to start seeing that here's one of many applications of math and, and start seeing those things appear, whether it's in their senior projects, in uh, their classwork. And, and there will, will be some opportunities in the future for maybe some other classes, but those other classes are going to be more about strengthening the, the majors we have. So, you know, maybe 
this is a maybe. I'd have to talk to people see if they'd be interested. But you know, maybe one day we'll, we'll we'll partner up with say the the communications department. Let's say well, let's let's talk about doing board game media, or there might be an opportunity to to do a, a experimental course say in the mathematics of board game, but to to use it to strengthen the pre-existing majors because you don't need you don't need a undergraduate degree in board gaming to be a board game designer and it's probably better if you don't and i say that because in the industry it's really tough to make a living just being a board game designer so it's good to have the ability to have your other job which comes with a your major but then using the skills learned in that process to make games so no the 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 key thing is as you're asking is is that to keep using this as a way to build on what we do well already at the college to, to supplement it and strengthen it and then there might be some courses in the future where where we we cross pollinate again but really that the test right now is once these students have been exposed to that it's what are the long-term effects we see in courses outside of it and, and that will predominantly be our be the focus for now doesn't mean it won't change but that's the current focus so Everyone here, I think, has, has done a, a certain amount of schooling. What classes you've taken in the past could you see having their lessons replaced with what you've learned in board gaming? Or, or what do you have that you've learned in the process of being board game designers you wish were somehow included in your previous courses that would have helped you be better in what you're doing today? You know, just off offhand, I think of a technical writing class that I was in. We had to use, I mean, art and graphic design and um, obviously the, the writing piece in order to make like, I think it was instructions for jumper cables or something like that. And it was really fun and, and it got me engaged, but it was just jumper cables. Like it would have been so much better had it been a board game or, or something else that I would have had a little more interest in. But in the end, I mean, working on this thing for jumper cables ended up being kind of the highlight of the, of the whole quarter. <laughs> uh, so that's the first one that comes to mind. You know, as I think about it though, um, any math class, I could have used any any tactile help to, to get me through some of those classes. As I got older, I, I feel like I, I've kind of come around and, and I can do math much better and, and I, I get the application of it. Growing up, I just didn't. It, it was a big struggle for me. And so I, I wonder if something, if math were a little more gamified, if that would have been a, a huge help for me personally. Yeah, I mean, personally, I learn a lot better by doing things like project-based learning. So I usually like to jump into even a fake project to learn new software, learn concepts. So I think tying board game design into any discipline in high school or college and using that as a project to practice and use and learn skills on would have made it much easier for me than just reading or lectures. So really anything would have been improved by that. And it would have made me fall in love with board games earlier, which would have been helpful. And Dustin, I'm kind of piggybacking off of you here. I mean, you at least took the technical writing class. I never even took the technical writing class. So just having something like that underneath my belt would really come in handy <laughs> when trying to hammer out a rule set. I, I think, too, there there could be such a, a great application for something like this in, in a history class. Uh, again, that was something I was a little bit of a, a late bloomer in. And knowing the application, knowing what it felt like to to have somebody in that war, I, I think about um, oh, what's the game? The the grizzled, 
And if I if I would have done something like that and just had a moment when I was in the trenches with these cards, these these French you know officers at the time, uh, it, it probably would have sparked something more in the actual events. Um, something like that could be really helpful, I think. Well, and, and that's where because at the start of this conversation, we start off this dichotomy of the idea of what you can learn from the process of making the games versus what you can learn from experiencing them. And, and there's a whole other subfield of education where you mentioned the idea of the grizzle. You know, I teach a lot of economic classes, so I, I will have people experience directly the effects of various economic situations through a game that does exactly that, whether we're talking about price floors, price ceilings, trade, asymmetric information problems, uh, market failure, government failures. There's, there's plenty of good things that exist where you can experience it versus just being told on a chalkboard that it exists or in a book. So I, I definitely appreciate, Dustin, that the idea of you know, history is a lot closer if you can really think of yourself as being there in that history. But, but I think that touches on, on a whole other way of education board games, which is the idea of the experience of the game can be the experience of what you want people to learn, which, which is another wonderful rabbit hole we could fall into. Yeah, that, that's. I'm glad that you delineated that um, for sure. I think the the creation of it and getting involved in the design of it. Yeah, that's that's a very different thing. Well, building off of that, even if you were designing a game around that subject, just the amount of research you have to do for game design to have it really implement a theme is again a project based way of researching something and studying. And then when you tie, and it's more. So, like, if you were if you were writing a paper or doing a movie, you would also have to do research on the theme, and you would have to get facts and stories. But when it comes to game design, you have this extra level of bringing in the mechanisms, and to be successful and make a more involved and immersive game, you want the mechanisms to reflect the theme and the theme to reflect the mechanisms. So you really have to dig a little deeper, and it's not just, here's what happened, this is what so-and-so did. It'd be, like, how do you let the player do that thing and how can you tie that in mechanically and I think that would give you a deeper understanding and appreciation for the content you're studying. Well, and, and that hits on I mean, well, Dr. Wishlet's called it the controlling idea and that, that actually is one of the assignments in the course that they're doing right now is they're having to do a research paper with the intent of, of using something it could be from history, it could be based off anything but it has to be based off something outside so it would be based off music sports, uh, biology, chemistry, and building a controlling idea around that and, and how you would develop that initially into a game. And that's the great thing because it highlights, as you point out, the idea you can learn so much about what you're studying by pursuing that topic. But by focusing on the controlling idea, it's also a great opportunity for, from a teaching perspective to the other way of thinking about Borgen design. The process is teaching you how to do particular activities and, and skills. Learning to focus on a controlling idea is learning how to build a dialogue or it's a presentation or a paper where you're trying to achieve a, a central big picture point that you want your audience to take away at the end. You know, one thing that comes to mind, so I, I'm a therapist and, and work a lot with, with people around topics of empathy and, and those kinds of things. And as a, as a designer, and, and also as, as somebody who plays games, but as a designer trying to take perspectives into account and understand what somebody else's user experience will be as they as they manage through the the game scenarios or different things that that I'm providing or others might be providing as, as they're designing games and so I, I think that there's some 
some element of, of growth that comes from needing to take those perspectives and see things as a game player versus as the designer. And, and I'm just going, haha, more things I can teach from this, this one process. You know, every time we come up with something, I, uh, something that can be taught, I, I mean, I'm taking notes here because brainstorming is an important part of design. And you know, your point there about the importance of empathy and, and seeing from other people's perspective, well, that's, that's one more important skill set that, that we can now add to this list. And as you see, this is still a work in progress. So I'm, I am still listening between what's going on in this class, but also feedback from others from outside of what things I may be missing as, as good opportunities to further build as well. And, and I'm glad you brought that up for exactly that reason. I think like we were saying earlier, it's, I don't think there's a limit to the directions you can go with this kind of thing. It just depends on what what you incentivize and just like designing a game whatever you make the students do is what they're going to learn to do and it can you can teach anything literally anything so we're just about out of time is there anything else you wanted to talk about on this subject before we close it up i i do want to to remind people that that we could use your help in helping the students and the way you can help the students is by uh coming to Bethany College at November 9th to play tester games and to bring your own games to play test because that will be a great experience for them to see experienced board game designers or maybe not even experienced board game designers, other board game designers go through the same process they're going through and, and seeing how you deal with play testers and feedback in general. You know, if this sort of thing interests you, a liberal arts education interests you, always be happy to talk to you more about about what's going at Bethany College we uh, we have been around since the 1840s and we are very proud of our liberal arts tradition we uh, do we still require both a, a senior project and we still require full written and oral comprehensive exams to graduate because we want to you know if you're going here to study something we expect that you've you've learned it and and there's no better way to demonstrate that than to at the end of your 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 coursework at bethany pass a exam on your entire major and i will point out if you don't pass your full written and your full oral comprehensive exams you do not graduate even if you have passed all your classes for your degree and so i'm hoping people will also really start to appreciate and it doesn't have to be better there's other great institutions as well the idea that you are stronger as a creator by being informed beyond just your own discipline, but of others as well. And, and you know, at Bethany, we're, we're striving to be one of those places where you can do that. And, and like I said, we, we just haven't been doing that in, in one corner with board games. We do it in other, mean, others, other areas as well. But you know, personally, the board game stuff excites me, and I hope it excites you. And... Uh, there's a lot you can do to help us do a better job of, of doing that for our students, but you know, sharing it with the wider community. The great thing about the Unpub Mini, you're not just helping students, but you're helping the larger board game community. There, there will be other board game designers there working to perfect their craft, and, and we're glad to be having that opportunity for others also come out of this, this project. Besides the Unpub Mini, is there any other opportunities that people that say can't get to the area can interact with the class? Are you doing any online posts or forums on Board Game Geek or anything like that? So, you you can get some idea of what's going on in the class. So there's there's my I'll call it my professor Twitter. That's at 
A-A-R-O-N-H-O-N-S-O-W-E-T-Z. And that's, that's where I handle my, my college persona. I will point out I am an economist. So you'll be seeing things involving both, both what we're doing board games, but also involving various economic topics. There are, um, we do have our board game creator seminar, which is uh, regularly held. And a number of them you can find available online on YouTube. In fact, there's, there is a, a board game geek, I believe, that's being maintained of, of all the ones that are available online where you can see our past speakers, including Chevy Dodd, T.C. Petty, Nat Levine, um, and others who have come to campus to talk about very specific topics. But but the um, the biggest thing you, you can do is, is just, you know, if you're not in our area, support the local playtesting in your own. And uh, and when, when my students go out there and put their toes in social media, be kind to them. I'm sure they're going to make some missteps because they're students. So you know, when, when they do that, be understanding. We're working with them so they can learn. And by the time they're done with us, they will have grown. But expect them to be students, and students are going to make mistakes, but they will grow from their mistakes. And that's all we can hope to do from education. If we were perfect, I mean, boy, there'd be a lot of stuff we wouldn't need anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that will do it for this episode. So thank you again for joining me. Let's end it with some contact info and Aaron the details on the Unpub Mini just one more time in case anyone missed it. So let's start with Aaron. So yeah, uh, the Unpub Mini you can find at unpub.net slash events, and it will be under Bethany Memorial College Unpub Mini. It is November 9th in Bethany, West Virginia, from 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. For my economics persona, which is, you know, Aaron Hanswitz, the professor, that's at A-A-R-O-N-H-O-N-S-W-E-T-Z. For my general board game persona, which is not just mine, but it's me and Austin, we are Dr. Witz, and you can find us at Dr. Witz, D-R-W-I-C-T-Z, on both Twitter and and Instagram. We also have this wonderful webpage, doctor.wits.com, which is not just a great source for my class, but it's a great source for anyone, particularly people of interest in topics on uh, how we might approach program science, but also we have some wonderful discussions on economic mechanics in board game and, and how to better understand those sort of mechanics if you want to utilize them in your game. And Austin, anything else to add or just the at Dr. Wicks? Just at Dr. Woods. And Dustin. Yeah, you can reach out to me at Odd Fox Games on Facebook. Um, I'm, it's also Odd Fox Games on BGG if, if you would prefer to reach out that way. I'm also on the Board Game Workshops Discord uh, if you would prefer that. Um, so that's it. And I'm on Twitter at BlueQBGS and at the BG Workshop. And you can go to theboardgameworkshop.com and I'll have links to all the things we discussed in the show notes and yeah i think that does it thank you for joining me thanks see you later thank you yes it's a lot of fun that's all for this episode board game workshop is a member of the indie game report you can check out their reviews and interviews at the indie thank you to all of our patreon supporters especially our inventor level supporters chris turner vegan al brad bachelor roscoe shock 
Boss Cottis and Corey Mudiman. If you'd like to support the show, go to patreon.com slash theboardgameworkshop. You can follow the show on Twitter at thebgworkshop and on Facebook at theboardgameworkshop. Join the show's Discord channel to discuss episodes. You can call the show's Google Voice number at 725-222-8249 and leave a question or a contributor segment for a future episode. You can get the links for these and all show notes at theboardgameworkshop.com. Thanks for listening.